the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, Episode 29. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hey, girl. Hey. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, It's been a crazy morning over here. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, we're having all these fires going on in Santa Rosa, which is not too far away from me, but far enough away um, to be okay for now. Um, but really bizarre sunrise this morning. The, the, sky, the sun looks like it's just this fluorescent orange coming up through like this smoky gray sky. It was really weird. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've never been through... Uh, an experience like that or there's like fire anywhere close every once in a while if there's like um if there's some bad fires from in mexico like the the air quality will be kind of odd and Mm. you know we'll kind of get this sort of gray sort of fog over over austin yeah um but besides that you know like and that's far far away so i can't even imagine is what i'm trying to say I can't even fully wrap my head around it um, just yet. So it just started yesterday um, in the middle of the night. So I went to this yoga workshop in the city, was texting with our friend Natalie at like 1030 at night, like, good night, such a beautiful day. And then I wake up to her calling me and I've never heard. She sounded terrified. And she was just telling me like, this building is gone and this building is gone. Like the school has burned down. I'm like, what? What is I wasn't even fully awake. Was it her daughter? Has her kid's school burned? No. Or another school? Another high school nearby. Mm, wow. um, they're evacuating Kaiser, the hospital. They're wheeling patients across the road. I'm like, what are you saying? I don't understand. Like, I just woke up and was confused. Mm. And so... Um, it's frightening. Oh, it was just... Yeah, it was... So, and yeah, they spent the day with us. They spent the night with us. They left this morning. They left while we were recording and... So um, I'm going to check in on everybody after this. But I found that I needed to kind of, um, what happens for me when I get really anxious or nervous or feel like there's things out of my control, very much like my sobriety, um, I have to kind of um, channel that energy and try to either create something, do something that's comforting, like make marks with my pen (laughs) a million times. Like I've found that I definitely deal with anything that's kind of uncomfortable um, or anxiety producing that I have to make something. So I was game for talking this morning. Um, I didn't want it to be all about what's going on here, but I knew that I needed to kind of tap into you this morning. I was like, I need Sandra's energy. I need to kind of do what we do and make Mm -hmm. something. So thank you. Well, you're welcome. And I, I'm glad that I, that I could, help (laughs) but see I I can be the opposite like I I just want to like I would just I would have shut it all down that yeah can only fester in this (laughs) horrible thing that's going on but um I get that yeah intellectually I get it yeah 
Um, do you have anything fun to share that can change my, <laughs> so I don't have to think about those things? It was not with you. <laughs> I want to really change the subject. What's going on with you, my friend? <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I have many balls in the air. It's not every week is like this, but this week, for whatever reason is, I'm making a custom kimono with a dragon on the back. And that's exciting. I know. I know. I know. I'm going to have to. Um, it's going to be uh, like an applique kind of thing. I think it's almost like a mosaic, textile mosaic. Um, but I just this morning got the silk fabric in the mail that I ordered online and I'm really excited because it's perfect. So that anyway, it, it, things will go great from here on out now that I have the right fabric because it had to be a specific color. People are loving For your kimonos. This customer. Oh, yay. They are. They're so beautiful, Sandra. Thank you. Yeah, this one should be cool. This one, um, I don't always get, you know, I usually this the most specific, um, custom order, the direction that I'll get is, you know, I just want these colors. I really prefer these colors or whatever. I like birds. If you have anything bird themed or, you know, any, something mm -hmm. like that. But this is like a very specific, um, design that this customer wants. She's gifting it to her husband. Aww. And so I know. I and so that. I know, I know. So, um, the always the the hump is um, fabric, and we don't have good fabric stores for apparel fabric in Austin. I mean, we have um, if you make cotton things, you know, there's a there's a some great little little stores um, to purchase really cool cottons. But if you do anything that's like a finer fabric, a finer apparel fabric like silk, we all of our little stores have gone out of business. It's really sad. So, um, yeah, so we have to, so I have to order it online and then you just never know, you know, you can read the description a hundred percent silk and then you get it and it's like, Oh, this is, this is gross. This doesn't feel anything like I wanted it to feel. So anyway, but I just got my fabric and it's perfect. Um, my son has an audition today, his first one. So I think that's what's eating me up today oh, okay. um, because I'm nervous for him. <laughs> he has his first high school um, theater production audition. And, you know, there's yeah. a, always a good chance he won't get a part, right? you know, that's because that's life in theater, mm -hmm. period. It starts when they're little even. And um, so anyway, You'll know I'm more nervous later. for him. Yeah, I'm nervous yeah. for him. But we took his head. I took his headshot yesterday. I set my living room up like a studio, and it turned out great. And I was super happy about that. I saw it. It was awesome. I posted on Facebook. It, it was so good. Wasn't good. It? Yeah. Was he happy with it? <laughs> oh yeah, he actually was. Oh good. He looks so yeah. handsome, and just that look. I love it. just that look on his face. You just yeah, captured him. We have a good one of him smiling too, and I got both printed. But I'm thinking I'm liking the serious one. Yeah. He looks, yeah, his eyes. He has beautiful blue eyes, mm -hmm. and and he has beautiful lips. Even though he hates his lips, I, I was always just tell him, say that. you just wait, buddy. Yep. You just wait. And Someday his hair, love those lips, All and his it. hair too. Whole He's got thing. nice thick hair. He hates his hair. I'm like, you just wait. You just wait. Whole thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> there's oh. going to come a day where you appreciate all these attributes that you have. So. <laughs> right. Right. Okay, mom. Fine. I'll believe you. Well, I, I will cross my fingers for him. That is exciting. That is very exciting. I saw at your recommendation, I saw some high school theater, um, last weekend because I know how you loved yours the weekend before. And, um, it was my wedding anniversary and we decided to go see Romeo and Juliet at my son's school, the production. My son was not in it in any way, shape or form. And he, uh, he went with us along with my goddaughters and my friend. And it was just so awesome to see. I mean, Romeo and Juliet, uh, can be hard to understand sometimes, right? It can be, but it can be interpreted a million different ways, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's what they did. They said it yeah. to, the, to the summer of love, 1969. And that was the backdrop. And all the kids were dressed up like that, did songs from the sixties and then just kind of had the vein of Altamont, that concert that I talked about, I think at the, on the last show, kind of running through it. So the, the violence between the Montagues and the Capulets were kind of like the bikers and the concert goers at Altamont. So there was fighting and broken bottles and um, leather. So yeah, it was just really sweet how they kind of took all that and didn't focus so much on the... I mean, there's obviously fighting and dying in Romeo and Juliet, but uh, it was great. It was just great to see high school kids doing what they absolutely love. I know. I With love such passion. I know. I love it. I I I loved seeing young performers. I yeah. Yeah. Their enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was great. And um, yeah, so that was kind of our big Friday night, and then uh, yeah, then had some had some yoga fun over the weekend, if you can believe it or not. And, no, uh, our still, guest- <laughs> still wrapping my head around this. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, when I was, uh, you know how social media is just this weird thing. So our guest today, who we're going to introduce in just a minute, but she was posting on social media and I was like, I sent her a message. I'm like, um, I think you're in the next town over from me. And she was like, what? I go, I promise I'm not stalking you, but I think I know where you are. And she was like, yeah, that's not weird. You know, <laughs> I'm sure that's what she was thinking. Um, but she was on a retreat in Marin, which is the next county over from me. The Highway 1 divides the county, right? So I'm on uh-huh. the Sonoma side, and she's on the Marin County side. And she's at a beach community. And I was like, oh, I know where you are. Um, and then I was doing a yoga workshop with her on Sunday. So I'm, I'm pretty sure she – and now we interviewed her here on – it's Tuesday when we're recording this. So I'm sure she's probably like, okay, Tammy, back off. <laughs> right? I feel like I'm being followed. <laughs> enough of you. Um, yeah. So I hope everybody enjoys her. I was going to share a few other things, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait and share them later because I'm going to oh, kind of okay. get into our interview. Yeah. Oh, okay, it's a long, okay. it's a long one. We don't want to, we're doing these at like, everyone's been about an hour and a half. So we think that's a good amount of time to really get to know somebody's story. And if anybody has feedback on that, let us know, but otherwise we're sticking to our, we seem to like to talk for that long. Yeah. yeah. This is, I think this is like, yeah, I think it's our sweet spot. Yeah. Any shorter. I feel like I don't get the whole story. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want (laughs) to, so I want to know more. So I'll go ahead and just dive in unless you have anything else you want to share. No, no, I've, I shared enough. Apparently, I (laughs) think I had anything to share and then I took up all the sharing time. (laughs) 
is what it is. Um, so yeah, so I want to, we are, I was very excited. I heard, I've heard Ashley before, um, on a friend's podcast on Tiffany Hahn's podcast. And, um, I've been getting her newsletters and following her and really interested in what she's doing. Really super creative work, but she is Ashley. Did you say your full name? Ashley Nichols. Okay. Um, is a writer and a quilter and a teacher and an artist. And she lives in San Francisco, California. And she grew up in Michigan, surrounded by quilters and makers. And she made her first nine patch quilt at age eight, which is so sweet. I think, you know, Mm -hmm. little kid Mm -hmm. making her quilt with her mom. Um, And she was um, designing her own bags by the time she hit high school. Um, She spent 12 years of her career as a classroom teacher in Spain and San Francisco and teaching both English and Spanish literature and language. So she's a teacher then, at heart, yeah. Right. And then in 2013, she took a, took the leap and started her own business. And since then, she's designed um, a patent-pending pop-open bag, which I have not seen this bag, but um, no, it sounds really cool. We forgot to ask her about it. Oh, I know. I know. We didn't, we didn't cover the, the, the bag. Um, but she's also... Uh, taught quilting lessons all over the country, written articles for a variety of publications. You can find her teaching in person and online, um, Creative Bug being uh, one of those places, and we talk about that in the interview. But she teaches online quilting and sewing classes to all ages. She writes vignettes about her life and journey through her newsletters, um, and she's just constantly um, looking to create all of her connect all of her creative dots. Yeah, she is. Um, we've talked about this and you keep bringing up this phrase, Sandra, that I just love so much about being multi-passionate, right? Mm-hmm. Just having all of these different interests. And then I like how you and Ashley and, and myself, even just that we're kind of figuring out how all of those different things that we love and that we're interested in and different components of our making, right? Mm-hmm. How that can become this cohesive thing offering yeah how they yeah how they can come together and I know other people do it it's done you see people do it all the time Mm -hmm. but for me it didn't happen until I got sober until I I really had some clarity and then the energy to sort of bring those things that all of those things I love together and make them kind of flow and work together and they complement each other and um, I think Ashley does that beautifully. And she's um, has celebrating eight months of sobriety, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah this yeah. month, I think she said. So, yeah. I think she'll be a great inspiration for people listening out there that are, you know, it's, we have a little bit more sobriety, just a tiny bit, you know, not much. But no. we have a couple of years, you're three plus years. And so that beginning, those first eight months, I remember them like they were yesterday. There's so oh, much yeah. that happens in those first eight months. And so we touch on a little bit of um, dating, on creating, and what that looks like for her. So I hope you guys enjoy the interview. Yes, enjoy, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Hi. Good morning, guys. Hey, Sandra. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you getting up this morning and chatting with us. Oh, I love mornings. So yeah. this is perfect. <laughs> right? Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. This is, like, this is like my prime time. So Yeah, I can relate. <laughs> 
It's like, it, it never used to be my prime time, but it's totally, the, I like that prime time. I'm going to use that, Ashley. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, I know. And it, I, it's funny. I think I have been a morning person my whole life, but um, it's definitely, I've confirmed that since I quit drinking. Yeah. Like, yes. Mornings are the best. <laughs> Well, let's start, let's start there so that our listeners can know a little bit about you. Um, how long ago did you stop drinking? Like what, what was that impetus for that? Or how did you come to that decision? Yeah. So fairly recently, um, I'm going on eight months. So yeah, February. Thank you. Um, yeah. And I, I guess I would consider myself to be one of those people that would have sort of a high bottom, you know, that terminology, um, mm-hmm. right. where I, not one, you know, not one dark thing happened, um, that was like a, you know, uh, um, a pivotal point, a pivotal or, moment, yeah, or, you know, yeah. a moment of realization. Um, it was more just a, a, a quiet nagging, um, that was kind of like tapping, you know, tap, tapping me, um, quietly for a while. And then it got louder um, and I just knew that like I had done so much work on self-improvement, you know, I had, I had, you know, seen therapists, I had done all of the, you know, internal work or so I thought that I needed to do. And I was still not, I felt like I was still not happy or, or I still wasn't figuring something out, um, there was something just, just not there. And I think I secretly knew that my relationship with alcohol was, was not the healthiest. Um, and I got to, got to a point where I just thought, man, what if it's the, what if it's this one thing? And I was my ego and my, you know, love of this substance, I guess you could say was, I was unable to give that up, you know, I was unable to see the connection probably, you know, because it was so comfortable and Mm -hmm. I loved it. And that was my personality. And, you know, I was always the one to be pouring wine and, and I was funny and, you know, it would make me feel social. And so did you ever, I mean, just jump in with one question. Did you ever feel like you, you wanted to be just called any have any other mental illness or anything else and it not please don't take away the alcohol please don't let that be it oh I I wanted I wanted my doctor to say yes you have clinical depression it's undoubtedly certain that you are clinically depressed (laughs) and I would have been so happy I would have chosen that oh totally for me it was for me it was anxiety so I I have Mm -hmm. anxiety and I you know, it's like, I'm sure so many people can identify with this feeling of having, you know, your doctor or somebody say to you, you know, like, hmm, you know what our main contributors to anxiety, caffeine, alcohol, and you hear the word alcohol, and you're just like, eh, what? No, mm-mm, that's not it. They, they didn't say that. That couldn't no. be it. No. <laughs> and so you're just like, no, I'm just going to go have some wine to make myself feel better. It's definitely not related yeah. to alcohol. Stupid I'm doctor. <laughs> I'm the exception here. Wine actually calms me down. I, I'm yeah. completely the exception. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think one glass of wine would have calmed me down. But then, you know, the way I would do it would be 
that I would just have way too much. Yeah. Right. Then it would. Yeah. yeah. People that I guess have a normal relationship with alcohol. Right. It would rev it up. But yeah, I, I was, I was definitely in that denial phase, um, until, until I just was like, you know, this, I can no longer ignore this. Hmm. And, um, I just, I actually didn't, when I quit, I didn't think I was quitting for, for, for good. I needed a break. I told myself I needed a break. And then a few weeks in, I was like, oh, okay, I think this is the thing. Hmm. Um, and then it just turned, you know, it, I strung a bunch of weeks together and then a month. And then I was like, oh, this is actually a thing hmm. that I'm, I'm not drinking anymore. So. Yeah. And then your mornings, probably, like you said, your prime time, you start feeling like, this is how mornings feel. <laughs> Oh this God. is how it's supposed to. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that yeah. there's a few of us that are so lucky to have felt that shift immediately because not everybody does. They, right. some people feel pretty crappy for a while. Yeah. Um, sometimes some people experience increased anxiety even. Yeah. Um, but well, I, I would say, that, I would say I definitely have gone through those, those dips and spikes. Um, right. And I, and I, you know, I've, I've done so much research on it and I, I sort of understand, I understand it, you know, like that post-acute withdrawal mm-hmm. syndrome or whatever it's called. Pause. Pause. Yeah. yeah. And I definitely, oh man, I definitely had that. I had moments of really acute anxiety mm-hmm. where I thought like, what is going on? And, you know, it's like you take away that veil and then you're just left with your true raw feelings. That's is how I explain it to myself, you know. And it's like, okay, I have to actually <laughs> deal with this. Yeah. Hey now. So did so. you? So I'm curious, um, just because I know um, on some past episodes, listeners have shared with me. They're like, um, I want to know, like, yeah, you know, like you're saying, your bottom was not necessarily a bottom. Your bottom was like a feeling more than an event, right? It's more of a. Yeah this feeling that happens, but was it, so you had no off switch. Is that when you drank, were you kind of like me, like where it was just, it was on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And it's funny, like I, my friends, when I, a lot of my you know close friends would, when I'd said I'd quit drinking, like either they're just not telling me or, or they just didn't really notice. Like nobody told me I had a problem, you know, like I think yeah. in the, in the world that I lived in, what my behaviors weren't that, weren't that out of the ordinary, you know, mm-hmm. like for me to, to, to drink, you know, over the course of an evening from 5 PM until 2 AM, just keep drinking. Like that didn't see, for some reason yeah. that didn't seem that weird, but I was definitely always the one that was like, let's have one more, one more, one more. Yeah. Or if there was an open bottle of alcohol, like you could never just leave that. It's wasteful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would leave. Yeah. Why would you leave wine yeah. in a bottle. Yeah. No. Those so, are the yeah. little subtle indicators. Like when we talk about these things now, um, you know, I can look at it and I'm, I'm two and a half years in and I'm just now unlocking a whole bunch of new things that I'm noticing about myself around alcohol because I'm around others now with alcohol that I'm, I'm slowly kind of going, okay, I'm okay with it. I, I'm trying to be okay with it. It's not their problem. It's my problem. But yet my mind cannot quiet down. I still pay attention to how much people are drinking and think like, why can't I do right. 
do that, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I don't want to, but I, it's there. Yeah. It's there. <laughs> you know, they, they say that you surrounded, you know, that there's a reason why you probably surrounded yourself with people that drink mm-hmm. like you. You know, I always did. If I looked around and compared myself, um, everyone around me drank the same amount it's mm-hmm. or so it seemed that I did but um I think you're right what it came down to me for me was what why do they not seem miserable and I mm-hmm. am you know, why yeah. why am I so caught up in this loop of constantly trying mm-hmm. to calculate it moderate it think about it space it what you mm-hmm. you know and and nobody else seems to be caught up in this now yeah. who knows if they are or aren't but yeah yeah well it's 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 exactly like and i know you guys have talked about this too about that idea of moderation and for me like people ask me like oh do you think you'll you know ever have a beer and it's like well no because let me explain what goes on in my head Mm-hmm. If I were to, you know, like I'm exact, it's just like you were saying, Sandra, like I knew at the table who had what in their glass, how mm-hmm. many they had already ordered, you know, at what point was it going to be okay for me to order another one? Yeah. Um, like having the idea of having one drink in a social gathering to me sounds absolutely awful. Rather have none. Yeah. Right. Always, <laughs> and I was always that way. Always yeah. that way. If there, if one was an option, nope, I'll have zero. I no. Right. <laughs> One's never it's, enough. Yeah. It's so. It's so much more simple. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like. And and to Tam, Tammy, to your point too. I I know. I I was just this past weekend in a so in so a social situation where, I and it was funny. I had a, a, a one person was pregnant. And then two people had, had given up alcohol for the month, mm. you know, in that, doing one of those things. Dry yeah. October thing. Yeah. Right. But they were still smoking pot. And so I was like, okay. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, everybody's like kind of looking at me. Oh, you don't smoke pot? It's like, well. Right. Do you I, not understand? I'm not escaping. <laughs> I'm not escaping. I'm not numbing out. I'm right here. I'm fully present. It's just so <laughs> frustrating because people think that it's just like this whim, you know? It's like, oh, I can just give up this thing and it's so yeah. easy. And like, like, well, yeah, but I'm also choosing this clarity. I'm choosing to be present mm-hmm. with myself at all times for, for as hard as that can be. You know, like I can't just say like, yeah, I'm going to smoke pot. No, no, I I say it though all the time. Sobriety is not for everyone. It is not. Yeah, it is not. Um, It takes a lot of guts to be present all the time. (laughs) That's what I think about when I think about um, like the stigma associated with the rooms and stuff. And it's like those people in there are working so hard right? They want to have an awareness, whether everybody's on the same page or at different levels and different links of sobriety. It's like strangers meeting in a dark room in the morning. That's mine's always the lights are off at the meeting I go to and mm-hmm. like trying to start their day a little bit better than yesterday. It just, it gives me hope and it makes me, I don't know why there's a stigma to it because I feel like these people are really brave. Anyone that's trying to give up something or trying to recover from something is brave. It's hard freaking work. It's not for the the faint of heart. (laughs) Well, and there's so much shame around it too. That's why, you know, it's like you're, you know, I think for, for my, um, understanding is like, 
you're flawed, right? If you have an addiction, yeah, it's a, it's, it's become like this moral, moral issue, right? right? Mm-hmm. For Versus sure. the fact that, you know, everybody has the same amount of possibility of getting potential to be yeah yeah there's no there's no like it's in my genes it's like no 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 no. it's an addictive substance and and sooner or later you just might find yourself there of course yeah well when when I read um um this naked mind you know Annie Grace's Mm -hmm. book Mm -hmm. yeah that totally changed my perception of of what it was that I was working with you know because it's basic that understanding that you don't that everybody that has had a drink is on some spectrum of this addiction thing, you know, mm-hmm. like because you automatically get into that dopamine hit and then the withdrawal and mm-hmm. then you know, you know, so it's it's like it's not a it's not a popular topic to talk about at parties. No, it's not. <laughs> While people are knocking one back, no, it's not. <laughs> It's not, but it's actually what I want to talk about at parties. I got to find my person there. Well, and no one wants to look at it at all, especially no, it's hard to talk to women about how alcohol is marketed to women specifically and yeah, on and on. It is a hard, it is a hard topic to broach. It's, we're just so in bed with alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and. And then for me, my experience was, um, and I'm sure you guys <laughs> are in the same boat. Like once I quit alcohol, I was, you know, I had to face all of the other things that I was numbing out with Yeah, that mm. weren't, that weren't a, you know, a substance, you know, want to share, want to share sure. a few of those <laughs> sugar, yeah. sugar, for example, like my, my sugar cravings were like through the roof, yeah. which, you know, makes sense. Mm-hmm. I was drinking, um, just all like watching TV shows mm-hmm. to numb out, like that was a huge. I mean, I think it's a relatively healthy one. Um, yeah, but you transferred a little bit because you have to fill this time right. and you have to fill this craving. Sugar was big, yeah, for me oh. too. Mm-hmm. Sugar, yeah, and same. I think that's for, for most people, right? I mean, it, and, and it, it's and very it totally common, becomes, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I had to, I think my, my number one work that I'm still, I'm still working on how to, how to manage the anxiety, mm. right? Because anxiety doesn't disappear. It's just, yeah. I feel like I'm able to bounce back from it better. Do you, do you do anything? Like I had a lot of tricks up my sleeve, mm. um, when I was addressing my anxiety, do you have anything, um, that you found that has worked in your, in your eight months of kind of really looking at, I mean, I know you were looking at it for a long time, but since you've stopped drinking, anything that's really helped? Well, I started meditating Mm. early, early on. So maybe seven months ago and not long, uh, 10 minutes a day. I think that has really helped. I also got really got way back into my yoga practice, Hmm. um, which was, you know, if I think about why I used to be really into yoga in my twenties and then I left it. And I, it's funny to think about potentially one of the reasons why I left yoga was because I kept going to class hungover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you are not alone. Hard. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. And now I'm back at, at the same class, um, on a Saturday morning at 9am. And I just, I laugh at myself now because like I have been up for, for hours now before I go to that <laughs> class. Whereas before I was like literally rolling out of bed. Yeah. 
drinking a glass of water and stumbling into that class at 9 a.m. It's almost like punishment. Like I would sign up for things to punish myself on Saturday morning or any morning, actually. You know, oh, I have to be at an 8 a.m. PTA meeting. Totally hungover, you know. Yeah, it was awful anyway, but yeah. (laughs) Hungover was no fun either. I have a weird I have a weird question. Have you ever in sobriety walked into a yoga class where you could feel hungover people around you? Oh, for sure. Yeah, right. Ah, It's it's I'm super sensitive to it now. (laughs) Oh, I yeah, I I have a tr- I have trouble being around anybody who's hungover. Mm-hmm. It's pa- a little painful. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It is. I, I feel I feel it because I have felt that right. Felt, you know, yeah. It's like you're channeling their misery, oh, that pounding headache that they're feeling. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, you're so you're in San Francisco for our listeners who are all over the place. Um, and that's like you know it's a big scene down there. Like we were we were down there on Sunday for a workshop together. We did the. Um, the Bigger Yes workshop with Laura McCowan at Love Story Yoga. And afterwards we went to go get dinner. I know you, you didn't go get dinner with us, but we went to go get dinner and just, you know, seeing the margaritas flowing and the offering of the alcohol at the table. And it was like, you know, a group of sober ladies at a, at a vegan Mexican restaurant, right? Gracias Madre. We're like, I would have never signed up to do this. I would have never done three hours of yoga on a Sunday in San Francisco. So far away from my home, (laughs) Yeah, hung out with sober people, um, and ate vegan food. I'd be like, who? No, I would have never imagined that for myself. (laughs) And now I'm like, I had the best day. That I know it sounds like a dream day. I mean, it was really a dream day. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, and and just to that point, like the old me would have gone to dinner, even though I, I was I was tapped out. Mm. You know, I would have forced it. I would have gone. I would have been social, mm-hmm. and then I would have been even more wrecked. But I left that class feeling just such a happy sort of zen. Yeah. I, and I was like, no, I need to go home and take a bath. Yeah. So like that for me was huge. The fact that I was like listening to my body, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. mm-hmm. even though I knew it wasn't going to be a social situation where I was going to have to, you know, be the awkward only person not drinking or, you know, right, right. even though. So, but that's what's yeah. so great. What I found. So like after the class, cause we had chatted before and Ashley was like, yeah, I'm game. And then after the class, she was like, uh, I'm ta- tagging out basically. <laughs> and the thing is sober people get it. You're like, it's nothing mm-hmm. personal. It's energy. It's energy, right? If you don't have it to give, you can't. And we're like, okay, see ya. Talk to you Tuesday. There's yeah. no, I can, when being honest now is so much easier because I'm not so worried about everything, you know, that um, I'm not just not worried about what other people think. Right. Yeah. Right. And you're, and we're able to say no. Like I was speaking of Laura, I was listening to a home podcast last night about the, the things they know for sure. It's like a very recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, she talked about her, how she started to be able to say no. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. so empowering to be mm-hmm. able to say no. It, it, in a night, it's just like, yeah, it's not a hell no. It's a, just a, no, that's not for me. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> right. And then just realizing that people aren't going to fall apart because you said no and, right. and took care of yourself. You know, that's what always kept me from saying no to things like, no, the, the world is a fall. We're all going to fall apart. Yeah. <laughs> right. Based on my no. No, it's, it's not. No. Yeah. Well, Ashley, <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. 
you, you didn't, you know, we, we had dinner and all of that. The only thing you missed, and I'm hoping, um, this is going to be way oversharing. Um, <laughs> you missed me getting a new vibrator. So I'm going to say, <laughs> <laughs> did you go to good vibrations? We did. Yeah. We walked by and I was like, they were talking about something. I'm like, I didn't know what they were. They made some kind of reference to the store. And I'm like, what is that place? And they were like, you've got to go in. So we went in oh, yeah. and one of my friends who's going to be on the show in a few weeks, she was like, um, let's go. And she's a designer and artist. She's like, let's go. This one's beautiful. This one, look at the colors on this one. The design, it looks like a crystal. Oh, it's like a rock you can hold in your hand. I'm like, she was like my, um, she was like my consultant. So yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of information for this morning, but I'm, I'm giving it, giving it up today. That's what I did after the workshop. The bigger yes was now like the really bigger yes. (laughs) The grand yes. So maybe you're happy that you opted out, Ashley. I don't turn down a visit to that store. I actually used to live, I used to live right Right by Love Store Yoga, actually, Aww. like right up the block from there. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah speaking of like, I you know, I, I lived in, you, you saw that neighborhood. It's yeah. like, and it's like a party neighborhood, you know, yeah. like people would be throwing up on my stoop, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I lived in the middle of that for three years and, and you, you better believe I participated in it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. It's funny. So have you, uh, so that's, I'm curious, I want to get into all of your creative loveliness as well, but since we're talking about this, have you found like your relationships or your tribe or have things morphed and changed for you? Um, I imagine they have over these last eight months. And, and if so, how, how, how does it showing up for you? How does that look like for you now? Yeah, it, it has a lot in, in big ways, but in also really subtle ways. Um, I would say that I have, I I don't, I wouldn't say that I've, I've lost friendships yet, um, because of quitting drinking, like, and I know, I know some people do. Um, and I, and I think it's really liberating too, when that happens. Um, I have found like, if, if you're not able to connect like on a deeper level with, like, if I'm not able to connect with somebody I'm I'm just I I don't have the energy for it you know Mm -hmm. like I found that a lot of like the superficiality Mm -hmm. that that I was around partly due to just drinking and just partly due to some people's inability to kind of go below the surface um Mm -hmm. I see that so clearly now like it's almost like I just have like no bullshit like Mm -hmm. I have like a filter for it where I'm just like ah no time (laughs) I don't, don't have time for that. Mm-mm. And in the small talk, all of that kind of stuff, that's, that's part of it, right? So you, you're probably out with people drinking and stuff and it's not, it's, it, I found that I was just talking about the same things Yeah, all oh, I, the time. Yeah. And I, I have, I, you know, I, I, I still go out with my friends, especially if they're doing something uh, interesting, you know, like going to see live music or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go and then they'll, you know, let's go get a drink. And I will be able to sit at the bar for approximately an hour. Mm-hmm. No, right. no more than that. Like, cause then, then you get to the point where people just start getting shit faced and yeah. they start talking absolutely <laughs> loud and yeah. looping, right. repeating themselves. Yeah. yeah. And then I'm just like, I'm going to go home. And they all kind of look at me funny. And, and I'm just like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I'm <laughs> impressed that I'm even here. <laughs> so, 
It's because it's a big feat. Yeah. I mean, that book, when you talked about Annie Grace's book, and I've shared this quote a million times probably already on this podcast, but it, it is so important to me and it stuck with me so much that there's this mental anguish of moderation. And I don't have that mental anguish anymore. So like you said, like you go out to the bar, you're there for an hour, I'm out. You can take care of yourself. You're not in your head going, well, should I have one? Should I not have one? Well, that looks really good. That was always my favorite. They don't know what's going on in our minds, you know? Mm -hmm. know, And so, yeah, taking care of yourself in all of these different ways in sobriety with self-care, that's self-care. You're like, I'm I'm out. I can only last an hour. That's my bandwidth. It's and then when you sad. wake up the next morning, you oh. just want to like high five the universe. Yes. It never gets old. It never gets old. It's so true. It's like the most sweet, sweet feeling. Yep. Um, um, and then I would say that new, I've made new, new deep friendships already, new mm. deep connections yeah. with people that some people I've, I have art I knew from before and some new friends that I've made. Um, and it's just because I have no, I, I myself am more authentic. I think that like you, when you meet somebody who you connect with, it's just like, it happens Yeah, it happens, like hard and fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it does. Cause you're getting like, you're like laser focused almost in sobriety. You, you either have something you want to say to each other. You're interested. I mean, like me and Sandra, our friendship, like I knew that I wanted to be friends with Sandra. I knew that we had a lot in common, our stories, um, and just creatively, like how we were thinking up ideas and things. If I was still drinking, I would have never reached out to Sandra. I would have been so fearful and worried about what she thought or what she would think of me or who am I to do this? And in sobriety, I kind of have, like, I dare myself. My word this year is dare. So my, this year is like, let's just do it. Let's just think about it later. I mean, I I give it some thought, but not so much that it cripples me. And that's kind of like a superpower in sobriety. It's just like that you can do things that you've thought about before. Totally. Well, and I honestly, this is like how I truly feel. Like if we can quit drinking, we can do anything. Mm -hmm. True. Yes. Honestly. Absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. Sending mm-hmm. somebody that you have a, like a girl crush on an email, like that feels like so small potatoes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I just like be like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's ex- exactly how I feel. I feel like everything else is, um, yeah. that's a great barometer. That's a great thing to kind of look at and go, well, if I can do this, I know I can do, or I can at well, least try. Yeah. Well, and I, um, I asked somebody out recently mm-hmm. that I would have never say similar to like what you were just saying, Tammy, like I would have never done that if I had been drinking. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Oh no, he's way too good for me. Like this. Mm-mm. Nope. And I was like, I was like, I'm, I'm just going to do this. You're like, um, I'm pretty awesome. So I'm going to ask him. He's so lucky. <laughs> Seriously. Who knows if it's going anywhere, but he said, but, but by the way, he said, yes. Hmm. Well, look at that. Well, look at that. And that kind of fortifies you for the next time, right? Totally. Whether that's with creative pursuits or, a, you know, a man you want to date or, you know, somebody you want to have a conversation with, a, you know, like you said, sending an email to, to somebody you admire creatively, whatever. Yeah. You can do it and do it again. Yeah. Just to even show a, a different side of the same coin. Uh, my son's um, 
high school nurse kind of reprimanded me the other day. Long story, but she mm-hmm. totally reprimanded me on the phone. And I immediately found myself saying, you know, I feel like you're reprimanding me and I, I don't really appreciate that. <laughs> and I just completely, you know, just amazing laid it out exactly how I felt and what I thought about being rep- how what I thought about being reprimanded by her. And you know, before I think I would have just completely, I wouldn't have said anything and I would have stewed and resentment. Oh, yeah. I would have made it oh, such yeah. a big deal. I would have called five people oh, and yeah. there would have been so much drama over how this high school nurse had wronged me mm-hmm. and what a victim I was and all this. You know, I would oh, have made yeah. it such a big deal instead of just, you know, coughing it right out and saying, no, this is, this conversation is not working for me. (laughs) That's just like getting, I think you and I, I shared a story with you last week, Sandra, and I won't get into that, but just that, yeah, I listened to Rob Bell, like on Wednesday, right? Isn't he the best, Ashley? I know you like him. He's one of of my things I was going to share. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll get to that. (laughs) (laughs) But he did that. Everyone is your teacher episode. The most recent one. Oh my God. And so on Thursday, I had the opportunity to get a backbone that somebody was my teacher for me to get a backbone as well. So, um, it was beautiful and I recognized what was happening and I could, because I wasn't hungover. It was early in the morning that this happened. And I just was so proud of myself. I called Sandra afterwards and I'm like, I'm so proud. And it wasn't like gossip. It was just that I was proud and I knew that Sandra would get it. You know, she was my person. I knew she would totally get the situation and I could let it go and not hold a grudge or hold a resentment. It's important. Well, it's important. And, and, and Sandra, to your point as well, like I was so, I'm so good at the, the advice seeking or the, I, I feel like Brene Brown calls it something like, um, surveying, mm-hmm. you know, when you're just like, I need to have seven people's opinions on this before I can actually make the decision for myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I'm so, I was so good at that. And it's still something that I'm, I'm learning to let go of. Mm-hmm. Like, I think my, my initial gut, you know, ego reaction has been to still ask people what they think. Um, the list has definitely narrowed of the people I'm asking mm-hmm. and I'm still being like, okay, Ashley, do you really need to ask someone's yeah. opinion on this? Like, or is it what the truth is, which is that I have the answer already. I just right. have to get quiet. That's where the meditation and yes. being quiet and still comes in. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, so Ashley, be, before we move on here, I wanted to ask you, so do you use any recovery modality or what was your way in to, to really having your sobriety stick? So I discovered through Tiffany, actually, through Tiffany Hahn, the Andrea Owen recovery series. Mm-hmm. That was good. I listened to and that too. Yeah. And I just binged those. So, and that, I, I want to say that was my, my way in. Okay. Um, I've not heard of her stories. Andrea Owen recovery she, stories. Is that what you said? She has a podcast called your kick-ass life. Oh, okay. And then she, was it the early this year, Ashley, or was it end of last year? I can't think it was end of last year. End of last year. Right. She did a recovery series because she, uh, is in recovery herself. Okay. And then, so she did a recovery series that where she interviewed eight or 10 women. I think, um, Holly Whitaker was one and Laura McCowan was one. Okay. I'll check it out. I've not heard of it. Okay. 
So she, yeah, she interviewed, I know, um, the She Recovers woman. Oh, Dawn Nichols. Yeah. yeah, she interviewed her. Um, so she interviewed, yeah, like, like Sandra said, like eight or nine women. I think they were all women. Mm-hmm, um, I think so. And, and her story as well, like Andrea's story herself, I really connected to. Um, not, she's like, a, she has a few kids and whatever, totally different experience than me, but she talked about how she was like hiding a box of wine in her, in her pantry mm. and drinking it before her husband came home from work and then would like open a bottle of wine as if mm-hmm. it was her first glass. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I, and I was yeah. just like, ah, oh. I was like, I saw myself in mm. a future life doing that. Mm-hmm. And I got so scared Yeah, and I was like, oh man, maybe I do have a problem. Cause I, like I said, I was just kind of stringing weeks together and thinking like, oh, I'm just going to try this out. And then when I started listening to those stories, I was like, oh, this is not something that is like, that I can take as lightly as I was thinking, you know, like, I think mm-hmm. that maybe I need to start looking at this as if it, you know, it, as it, as, as it is what, is what it is, which is that I have a problematic relationship with alcohol and I need to stop. Yeah. Um, do you so mind to ask how old you are, Ashley? Yeah. I'm 35. 35. God, I wish I would have quit when I was 35. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful that you had yeah. the clarity that at this time in your life and you just grabbed it. Because I think, you know, I, I, if I look back to when I was 35, that was definitely a time I should have been reflecting on my relationship mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. alcohol. Um, but you know, even if it yeah. did, even if a little light did sneak in, boy, I just pushed it right away. Yeah. Like, no. Well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, hit, yeah, I, I think that quitting alcohol was some is symbolic also of me finally being ready to like face everything, you know, like, I think it was just really a symbolic gesture, not like to put, not that it was something, you know, that, to take lightly. But, um, like I, I think I was just ready to start facing all my issues essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, you and said that, you, you wrote recently, I was reading your newsletter and you talked about this feeling of empowerment that you now possess, um, that you no longer drink now that you no longer drink. And I love that you talked about the domino effect of empowerment. Um, yes. and so can you share just a tiny bit of what that feels like for you? Yeah, I think it's, it's, it's connected to kind of what we were just talking about, about like I asked somebody out that I would never have done before and I'm asking for what I need in professional situations like I, like I would never have done before. Um, it's like that idea of a backbone. Mm-hmm. Um, I, <clears throat> it's so funny like how I, and I think we all, to varying, varying degrees do this where we can't, we, we are uncomfortable asking for what we need. Some mm-hmm. of us don't even know what we need. So that's the right. First, yeah. Like, figuring out what you need in any given situation. That's hard enough. Mm-hmm. And then to be able to ask for it is like extremely terrifying because what are they going to say? You know, what I'm asking for is actually kind of big. Um, you know, like for me to tell somebody, that I want to get married and have kids when you first start dating like that is, ex- that is terrifying. Terrifying. And I, I would never, I would never have done that mm-hmm. even two years ago. No, there's no way. 
and be like, no. Do so, you, you know, uh, things like that. Do you find, um, I know I've just asked you that big question and you just answered it, but just now, since you brought up the dating again, I'm sorry. I want to, I'm like all over the place with you. I'm so, I want to ask, I have so many questions. Do you find it hard to date in sobriety? Oh my God. I mean, you're saying you're empowered. It's like this better feeling, but it's a whole new ball game, right? Well, I don't even, I can't even, I, I, I don't know how to essentially is what I'll say. (laughs) Okay, good. Thank you for being so honest. I don't know how to. I am, I'm, I'm like kind of dating somebody right now who's also sober, but like, I, I it's not, I don't know what's going on. So to, 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 mm-hmm. to be totally honest, like, I don't, that's I fair. Feel, I, it's, it's my, it's my learning right now is, well, and there's so much we have to relearn, you know, it's, it's all social situations yeah. and relationships. Ooh. Yeah. Like, I don't like know. Starting over. To- how to date, how to date somebody when, you know, like I'm used to like getting wasted on first, Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, like, so how do you, how do you do that now? Yeah, you don't. Right. (laughs) Although there's this whole concept we've been talking about the last few episodes a little bit. We, I talk about it a lot, like about emotional sobriety, right? So we're sober now yet we can still spin out on things and be okay. kind of emotionally drunk a little bit. And for me, at least, that's what it kind of shows up as. When my rage comes out because I can't control the universe, that comes out. But I, you know, I'm not dating, I'm married, but yet there's a lot of emotional stuff there too that, um, you know, there's history too. And so, yeah, I can't imagine being stone cold sober and going on a first date. Like, I think that's really brave. That's why, that's why I wanted to ask. Cause I was like, that's a whole new world. You're right. Yeah. It, 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 it is. And I have to say, since I quit drinking, I've gone on two first dates mm-hmm. and, um, with two very different people mm-hmm. and they both were, were fine, you know, but, um, for me, I was so acutely aware, especially on that first one, I was so aware of the fact that I wasn't drinking and I was so nervous. And so I was like looking at myself from like, you know, above. Like you were hovering over yourself. Yeah, I was like watching this whole thing play out. and Outer body experience. Like, it was a total out of body experience and I could not... Cause like that, of course I would have been drinking in the yeah. past. Oh yeah. It's so, you're so nervous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, oh, good yeah. for you for doing too. That's a lot in eight months, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know. I'm, I'm trying to be kind to myself because, yeah. um, it's going to take time. Yeah. Right. It's, it's this idea of, of timing, right. And how you can't force things and, mm-hmm. and things, I think time my timing, at least what I'm understanding, is that it's just slower than I I would like it to be. But also mm-hmm. just understanding that and and recognizing that that's actually quite beautiful and you know yeah. But sometimes I'm like tapping my watch, like okay. Oh, I know, I know. I was just on the road. Felt like that with yeah many things <laughs> for a while. Like I want to already be there. I've major catching up to do, but it's, yeah, just takes time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I know you put you on the spot there a little bit, but 
I'm an open book. (laughs) Okay, good. Well, you said that. I appreciate that. Um, So I'm curious, do you think, I mean, all of this is a little bit of an enlightenment, right? When we start doing this work and we're enlightened and and it starts morphing and changing um, the way that we are. Do you find that that has changed the way that you create in sobriety? Do you find that this change that you've made, this lifestyle change, this choice has changed um, the way that you make art? Yeah, it's such an interesting, I was thinking about this question because I knew we were going to talk about it. And I find that what I've realized about creativity um, is that it's so connected to, there's not like, like creativity for me doesn't exist kind of like over to the side. I feel like it's part of just like my daily habits and also just who I am Mm -hmm. um, and who everybody is, by the way, Mm -hmm. truly believe that everybody is creative. Yeah. Um, And I think that quitting drinking kind of helped um, sort of lift this veil I had over my, my whole sense of self and, and who I am. And so I find that I'm more in tune with, with creating just in the same way that I'm more in tune with my intuition than Mm -hmm. I was before. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it also means like that I'm respecting the flow of creativity more and knowing when I'm just tapped out or when I need to have like that recharge time. Um, like if I force myself to, to make a quilt or something, uh, then it never turns out that, right. you know, like it, it does, like I'm, I'm start, start, starting to just be okay with taking weeks off, you know, mm-hmm. knowing that I just need to, to, um, absorb versus, you know, it's like input versus output. Mm-hmm. Like there are times when I just need to like sleep a lot and process read a and book and a see book. art. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm starting to understand when, when that happens and how to, to respond to it and just sort of kind of value it versus mm-hmm. before when I would be like, I haven't made anything in two weeks. Oh, I'm such a piece of shit. Like <laughs> I'm supposed to be this artist. Like, right. what am I even doing? Whereas now I'll just be like, yeah, I haven't made a quilt in a few weeks then. And that's okay. Like I've been doing other things. I've been playing the ukulele. I've been. That's right. Yeah. You taught yourself the ukulele, right? Are you doing yeah. that right now? I'm teaching myself the ukulele, yeah. Has that been uh, since sobriety? Yeah, oh yeah. Oh, look at you. I, so that's I'm something that's changed, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, what made you want to do that? Like, well, so I, um, I work part-time at a school and I, we, we went on this retreat in August and everybody had their musical instruments and I just felt so... Like I've always loved music, but I've never really played music. And I, I was like, this is, I was, I felt left out, but not in like a, you know, it was, it was, it was not like a sadness, but it was more just like, oh my God, I, I want to like be in that group. Um, and one of my coworkers felt the exact same way. And she bought herself this like starter ukulele. And I was like, oh my God, can I do that too? And I sitting right there, I just ordered it on Amazon and the next day I had a ukulele. And so the two of us have been kind of learning the ukulele and this past weekend we were all together again on retreat. And so we were like playing our ukuleles legitimately 
playing songs and singing and I was like this is amazing it <laughs> that is. is so cool and then and if you look at, the, at your life now versus maybe when you were drinking and I'm projecting here but this is exactly how I would always was is I would have pined over the whole ukulele thing I would have talked about it but I I just never would have I never would have done it it would have just been one of another totally. one of those one of those creative yearns that I had that I just never would follow through with or or yes and what I would have done probably would buy it would be to buy the ukulele and then never learn it and then right yeah and it would have sat there and and don't get me wrong I had a moment when I first because I have really just been playing in my house by myself since I bought it and then when I was in the group for the first time I was so intimidated Mm -hmm. because I couldn't keep up that I like literally had to take a break and I like retreated from the group and I was like wow this is really interesting like I was working through Mm. a lot of feelings around it and it took me like a few hours actually to re-engage so yeah and in the past what I would have done is taken a break and go go and have have a drink (laughs) right right this is gonna loosen me up (laughs) right And then I would have, you know, had more drinks and then gotten progressively worse at the ukulele, but then I would have thought it was funny. Right. And then you could dance while you were doing it and then you could (laughs) do it on top of a table. And yeah, I I might be projecting there, but, um, (laughs) well, I think that's awesome. I love, I love the kind of, um, a lot of our friends in the sober tribe now, right? They, they, everyone's finding their thing, you know? So for you to be, um, the question I wanted to ask, like if you were a creative kid, um, you know, like we get to live out some of the stuff that I think for me as a, as a, as a, what we, where we started and where we left off as kids, like I find that we get to kind of pick it up now. So I don't know if you want to play the ukulele as a kid, but I wanted to ask you about your creativity as a kid, because I know your mom is super creative and she's a very well-known art quilter, Sue Nichols. Did she influence your creativity or what was that like oh, for, for you growing sure. up? For sure. I mean, she, uh, we were, we were always making stuff when I was growing up. Um, you know, I come from a very creative family. My, my grandma was also a, like a sewer and a quilter. And, and my dad is, is like a handyman kind of builder, carpenter guy. And so we were always making stuff. Um, and me in particular, I was kind of, it's so interesting. We were just thinking about this in Laura's class, right? About our childhoods. And yeah. I always, and, and it's funny because I also work in a middle school. And so I'm dealing with um, kids at this age as well of like this, it's like when the light turns on for certain mm-hmm. things and then depending on the environment they're in, it either gets like nurtured and encouraged or, or totally squashed out. out of them. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I kind of was a victim of like a giant, huge public middle school, um, where I felt like a lot of it got squashed out of me. Um, because I loved, I loved, well, I loved writing and I loved, um, dancing and singing along to music. Like I memorized musicals and, um, would choreograph Janet Jackson songs in my basement. And, you know, just like I was one of those kind of people. You like to perform. I liked to perform, I guess. Yeah. And I never got into that in school. I never did. I never was in any sort of theater class or anything. Um, I was too scared. 
Mm-hmm. I was too self-conscious. I was hugely tall. Um, I was like skinny. Some For some reason, I l- thought it was a good idea to perm my hair when mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like... Been there. <laughs> and I was tall and I got picked on. And so mm-hmm. I was trying to just fly under the radar in school. Yeah. Uh, and And then come high school I also went to a giant public high school and I just wanted to have a friend you know I wanted to have a friend and I wanted to not get bothered um and so I did whatever it took to fit in which involved drinking at parties for sure um so I mean well it's like heavy when you think about it like that um yeah and I think what I've gotten back in touch with especially in the last I mean, my, my adult life, but also since, I, since I've got this clarity, I mean, I've wanted to be a writer forever. Um, so I'm finally able to give myself permission to just call myself a writer mm. and just do it, even though, you know, I don't have a, a book or, you know, like I don't have on my resume, you wouldn't see things that would be indicative that I'm a writer yeah. But you you are writing, so I'm writing. Yeah. Therefore, you are. Uh, therefore, right. you're a writer. It's funny the labels, right? So yeah. you know that we know. that we either want to accept or that we reject or that we think we don't deserve, um, mm-hmm. and they're just these words, right? I mean, sometimes I know they're important. I know words are. Um, I've shared that I used to be a legal secretary, so my, I still have my dictionary from you know 1986 mm-hmm. when I started at the law firm that's all highlighted with all the words. It's the right in my desk drawer. Words are really important to me, but they've become less so um, in sobriety. You know, with the taboo words and people not liking the word alcoholic or the, I don't know, I try them on for size. They don't, they're not as weighty to me as they were before. Um, mm-hmm. calling myself an artist or a writer now. Um, I would never have done that before, but I'm almost like, eh, I mean, yeah. it makes me feel good and I can, yeah. I can do what I want. <laughs> so. well, and I, think, I also think it has to do with like this understanding that we are so many more things than just one word. Yeah. And, right. and so it kind of takes the, the weight off of one individual word, you know, mm-hmm. like, if I call myself sometimes like when I was a full-time teacher, I would be like, I'm a teacher, but then I would feel bad because it was like this one word that was describing me, even though I knew there were more things to me. Yeah. And then when I quit being a teacher, I didn't know what to call myself. And I struggled with that. And I was like, well, I used to be a teacher and now I'm, eh. and I struggled with that for like a year. And now I just have, I'm everything. I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a teacher, I'm a writer, I'm an artist. I teach this, yeah, I teach that, I'm a seeker, I'm a, you know, so it's like... You're right, it takes the pressure off of just one thing. Yeah. Sandra yeah. calls that multi-passionate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I and I love yeah. that. Yeah. Because it's so true, right? We're not just one thing. Well, and do you find now in sobriety with the clarity that that is the gift of, of sobriety that you can sort of more connect the dots, like connect all of the things that you are and, and, Mm. and put them together under, uh, one umbrella and it becomes more fluid. It's not so compartmentalized. Totally. And it's, it's like this, um, 
it's yeah it's like this deeper understanding it's a deeper understanding and so when you go deeper you understand that labels are just on the surface right and so it yeah it it's one way of like explaining it to the outside world but like when you truly kind of go deeper and understand what's going on sometimes you can't even really put it into words um which is what I find and and why sometimes I'm just like I just mm. Like I can't, it's when I feel like I just don't want to explain anything. Mm -hmm. It's just like this understanding, this kind of, oh, okay. Right, right. Or things that you wouldn't even think about. Like for instance, you know, maybe you are a storyteller and through writing and through Mm -hmm. your art quilts and, and, but that's the one connecting theme is that you're telling a story. Um, and those kind of things never came together for me when, when I, before I quit drinking. I could never, I was always just really, really stuck. It was like that, those epiphanies were just on, on the other side of a wall that I just couldn't break through. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and Tammy, I think you just mentioned that, um, this Rob Bell, Rob Cast, mm-hmm. about everyone is your teacher. I think it was this one. That he, he, you know, it's like when you get really angry, like for me, if I was to beat myself up over something or just, oh, er, so mad that something happened or something didn't happen that I wanted to happen, um, he was describing it as this, um, it's like this understanding that there's a truer you that mm-hmm. you haven't reached yet or that you haven't honored. Yeah. Like it's, it's because you know because that's why you have the agitation or the, or that's why right. it's bugging you or that's why you're annoyed or you're not settled because right. you know because it's in there. You know, there's something in there. It's like, Sandra, you like, you couldn't, you saw it, but you couldn't get to it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, and that's where that frustration is. And then being able to say no or to stand up to somebody or to take a risk and ask somebody out, like it, it just, it brings you closer to that because it's just... I, it's so it brings you closer to that truer you, you know, because it right. forces you it forces you to to do something outside of like what this stagnant for me it felt like a stagnant existence. Mm-hmm. I was just like numbing out, kind of like going through my days. Like I just wasn't. I felt like I wasn't going anywhere. I was just kind of mm-hmm. like, eh. yeah, Groundhog Day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Right. Treading water. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I I had a question for you um, because it seems like from your bio and your, um, what you've just shared here today, that teaching is definitely in your veins. Like that's, you're a teacher for sure. I'm talking about labels. Um, But how did you, I wanted to know, how did you get involved? I mean, you taught in Spain for seven years, right? And you say you're teaching, you're working at a school now, mm-hmm. but yeah, how, how did you get involved with the creative bug? Because I'm kind of in mm-hmm. love with creative bug and I know <laughs> that you, um, teach some classes on there. So how did that come to be? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's kind of a fam- my, through my mom really. Um, well, so, you know, I'm in San Francisco and they're also, they're based in San Francisco and they're, I think they're about five years old at this point. Um, they're, you know, a young company. And when they were first starting out, they somehow 
somehow got in touch with my mom and wanted her to, to be, um, to do some quilting classes on their site. Mm -hmm. Um, they had like, they had some like jewelry classes, maybe they had a knitting class and they were like, we got to get into the quilting market. Um, and so my mom, uh, did it and she came out to film in, I can't even think of what year that was, but, um, it was when they were at their very first, um, space over in Petrero Hill. And so I went to hang out with her while she was filming. And then I, I met all of the, the people who worked there at the time, it was a very small team. Um, and I, they were, I, I immediately was like, these people are amazing. Like I just had like this connection with, with the people. Um, and so we just kind of kept, I guess, kept in touch. And it was before I had quit my full-time teaching job. So it was like right before I kind of took my leap into starting my own business. And so when I did, I just started like basically harassing them. With, <laughs> um, I, you know, was like, how about I teach this class? How about I teach this class? And then they also had some ideas for me. Um, and they were like, what about, cause I was an, you know, quote unquote, nobody, you know, like they, you know, they recruit people, you know, right. they've got like Lisa, they've got Lisa Congdon on there and all this stuff. And so for me, it was like, I will do whatever mm-hmm. you need. Yeah. I'm your girl. What <laughs> so, you want? What you got? <laughs> what do you, what do you need me to do? I will do it. And so my first couple of classes were like small sewing projects and, um, just stuff that I had been, cause I, I, uh, had my blog alphabet summer where I do lots of small little sewing projects. So it was kind of like right in, right up my alley anyways. So I started to do a few classes with them. My mom and I actually did a mother daughter class. Um, and then from there I just started, we just started, I've probably filmed, I have a bunch of small techniques on there. So that's why this number is going to sound very high, but I think I have like 17 classes on the site. Wow. Oh, wow. That's yeah. awesome. Um, and it's just like this relationship that has grown and, and, um, you know, deepened over the years. I love them and they've gone through lots of changes themselves. Um, and they just moved, right? They just moved. They, yeah. they got, um, acquired kind of by Joanne. So they've, they've got this new burst of, of funding basically that is awesome for everybody. And by Joanne fabrics. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's big. Yeah. Well, so, so for people who don't know what Creative Bug is, I guess I should have, have done that a little bit. They do online classes and have wonderful instructors. And yeah. that's where I took several classes from Lisa Congdon, gosh, in 2014 yeah. or 15. And that's what I just did all year long was take online classes. And yeah. um, because where I live a little bit in the sticks here, I can't get to, um, I, I was driving into San Francisco to go to the, um, what was it? The makerspace that... Um, Oh, I'm drawing a blank. I took a bunch of classes there with Lisa Congdon, Lisa Solomon, Jen Hewitt. Oh, um, yeah. SF Make. It's it's closed now. Right, right, right. I'm drawing a blank. (laughs) Well, it's closed now, but I was driving down there to take physical classes with these artists, getting a huge amount of anxiety to drive to the city, first of all, because that's hard for me and, and getting easier. But, um, 
And then being in their presence was really intimidating for me because I was feeling like a fraud. I was still drinking at the time. So anyhow, when they started offering these classes through Creative Bug that I could do it at home on my computer, take a course at my leisure, I was like, this is genius. And so I was just, I saw that you were on there and like your artwork, your quilting is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your watercolor. It is beautiful, Ashley. Yeah, I have a quick question. So you and your mom obviously are both beautiful quilters in your own right and have very different styles. Was that, did you try to be intentional? Was that purposeful that you really wanted to separate your style from your mom's style? I could see how that would be an inner conflict. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's, it actually, it, it's actually kind of like a non-issue. I, I don't actually really? think Good. about it. I, it, and I think maybe this is the first time I've actually said that because when I was growing up, she, you know, she, if you know anything about my mom's story, she and my aunt are, um, are award-winning quilters and they mm-hmm. won this big, they won the big AQS prize in 1998. And so I was in high school. And so, you know, just to put that reference point, I graduated high school in 99. And so when my mom was like winning this award, I was kind of just like, whatever, you know, I mean, yeah, whatever, yeah. but I was, right. I was, well, I was school, 17. Yeah. yeah. I was like, eh, whatever. Like, yeah, they're pretty, but well, uh. um, yeah. <laughs> so I didn't really, I wasn't like, I'm also going to be a quilter, but I need to set myself apart from my mother and all this, you know, like it was not it wasn't really consciously purposeful. No. Yeah. And when I, when I became a quilter, I was living in Spain. And so I was very, very much, um, separated from her, you know, like I was very much, um, not, not around her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started asking her questions, but that was about the extent of it. Mm. Um, and it was, it was when I discovered the modern quilt guild and all of that stuff that was going on. And so it was this like new type of quilting. Right. Uh, and then my, my watercolor quilts were a total like creative epiphany kind of situation where I had actually taken the watercolor painting classes on creative bug. Mm -hmm. Um, because Tammy, I agree with you. Like they're amazing. You can watch them whenever you want. And they're, the video quality is great. And I'm not saying that because I'm a part of (laughs) No, they are. I would agree. And so Yao, um, has these, amazing intro to watercolor classes. And so I was doing them and on fabric, right? No, on paper. Oh, on paper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I was just doing them as like a creative outlet and started doing watercolor paintings. And then I was taking a black marker and outlining all of the patterns that I had made, Mm -hmm. which wasn't something that was in the class, but I just was drawn to do that for some reason. And then it was actually a guy I was dating at the time was like, that looks like a quilt. And I was like, does it really? And I was like, Oh, it kind of does look like a quilt. And, and then I was like, huh, I wonder. And I kind of thought about it and I was like, Oh, okay. So I went and like went to the art shop and was like, Hmm, I wonder what kind of paint I could use to recreate this on fabric. Right. And then it just kind of like, spiraled you know it was just like oh my god and then like mind blown all this stuff and that's how I got to where I am right now that's really cool and your mom's super supportive of your 
style and oh she loves it she's like she's like she wants to just like hand everything over to me you know (laughs) she's done she's tired she's done she's like I'm gonna retire soon like you can have it all and it's it's, you know it's I, I say that lightly but it's one thing I will say about the quilting world is that I, I just love the tradition of it. And so mm. you do have a lot of, it spans generations and oh, yeah. it's really beautiful that the older, like that there's such a, a, a hearty younger generation that's doing it now. Because, over. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> My granny was a quilter, but she was one of those like practical quilters. She mm-hmm. grew up mm-hmm. on a farm in Alabama. And so she made beautiful quilts, but they were to be used Right. For everyone, you know, she would give them to relatives as gifts, but everybody used them to stay warm. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, um, but at some point, and I, I remember it. So she must have not been, you know, maybe in her sixties, but she at one point said, yeah, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to make another quilt. Yeah. And we were like, mom and I were like, what, but we, we but, really but- want and you're not done yet and she was like yeah i'm i'm done i'm out i'm done i'm out and she's just crocheted from from there on out she would only crochet well making quilts if if anybody has ever made a quilt out there they are like you it's a humbling experience i'm a a sewer and i have never made a quilt i mean think about the size of a of a bed first of Mm -hmm. all so just wrap mm-hmm. your head around the bed size and then you're making something that's going to cover that so out of tiny pieces yeah, yeah, of, yeah. so like people people who make quilt I mean there's it's just a wonderful oh it's just like a beautiful thing mm-hmm. well it's an art so it's an art I mean it's an art form that um I was introduced to, I worked with a woman for five years who's an art quilter. She's been an art quilter longer than that, but she was heading up the, is it the East Bay Heritage Quilters? Mm-hmm. Oh uh, yeah, I've taught for them. EBHQ? EBHQ yeah. yeah. And I went to, I go to their quilt shows and, which I think are every two years. That's and, right. And um, my son would go and we, the way we would bribe him through it would be, <laughs> Um, that scavenger hunt they do there, which is so smart for kids. Like you have to spot this in all the quilts and it takes them all the way through the show. And then all of a sudden it's two hours later and you got to see the show, which is brilliant. Um, But she introduced me and just the, the back of the quilts are just as beautiful as the front of the quilts. Like there's so many beautiful, um, so many beautiful quilts there. Is your mom in the Bay area? No, she's in Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's where I grew up. Yeah. And that, but that interpretation, that modern quilt guild and EBHQ, mm-hmm. like there's so many, I am just drawn, I'm drawn to the really modern quilts, but I have an appreciation for, um, the more traditional and, um, yeah. the, is it the well, Guise Bend quilts that were at uh-huh. the De Young? I never got to see, but I would love to see. Yeah. I would love I, to they see. were, um, at the, at quilt con, which is the modern quilt guild conference. Oh. They were, um, I got to meet some of those quilters. There's oh. just it's such a special memory. Um, but but yeah, my my mom. There are tons of quilters in California, and so my mom um, comes out here quite a lot actually to teach. Mm-hmm. And she's actually coming this week. It's PIQF, which is the Pacific International Quilt Festival in Santa Clara. Okay. Um, and they have a big show um, full of quilts. It's a beautiful show. Anyway, yeah. so that's happening this weekend. Yeah, my, my friend would always go to Art Quilt Tahoe as well. She liked doing that. Oh, yeah. 
anyhow, I got, I just got to see her work and, and making fabric is a really big part of the quilting. And for her, it was making original fabric to then quilt. So that was also yeah, the art wow. form because I didn't want to just yeah, get any yeah. fabric from a store. It became more like, no, now we have to make the fabric as well and oh, make the design. So cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool. So that's when you're saying you're watercoloring your fabric now, right? Yeah. You figure out how to do yeah. that. And the way yeah, you write, dying, yeah, yeah, oh yes, yes, dyeing the fabric. Sorry, mm-hmm. not making it. Oh no, <laughs> you can no. tell I'm not a quilter. <laughs> well, no, but yeah, you're making your own textile first, and then yeah, right. well, because yeah. people are like, you use watercolor paint on the fabric. I'm like, not really. It's it, but it looks like watercolor, you know, because right. you mm-hmm. you're dyeing it. Yeah, that's for true. Fabric. Anyway. There's so many other things that you have to do to get your end result, right? Your process where that starts, you took the watercolor class, you did it on paper, you had markers, then you, you know, I love how that all unfolds. And I love reading and hearing about people's process and how they get to the end result. Like that's, it's really beautiful, the end result, but I love hearing like, how did you figure that out? How did you get there? So thank you for sharing part of that. I'm sure there's much more to it, but thank you. Well, we are kind of getting towards the end here of our show. Um, Sandra, do you think we covered what we needed to cover? Are you good? I think we did. We'll, we'll definitely be, um, linking your site, Ashley, because I want everybody to go see your beautiful work. It is really stunning. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I have a new website that I'm very proud of. I was looking at it on Friday night, actually. I was taking Dang. taking a class that Brand Crush um, yeah. did a free webinar with Tiffany Hahn mm-hmm. and Aaron Cassidy, and they were showing examples of websites, and one of them was yours. And yeah. it helped me. I already was going to be looking at it anyway, but it helped me dive in a little deeper. And that class, did that really help you with your business, your website? Did that help you like oh, yeah. crystallize things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I had wanted a new website. I felt like... Um, as, as like we were talking about labels, as somebody who has like multiple labels, I was feeling like I needed somewhere to be just like a landing pad for all of my things. Mm -hmm. So it really, it really helped me. Yeah. I can't speak more highly of that class. It was just such a, for me, it was just really what I needed to actually like pull the trigger and make a, a new website. So, yeah. Yeah, it was really helpful. We'll probably talk about this on a future show, but it just, it, that night I went and made some changes just to my homepage, did these, you know, those three little buttons of trying to, oh, um, yeah. you know, make things a little clearer for people to find. And I was like, okay, I need to spend some time. And then I sent Sandra a message. I'm like, you got to watch this. <laughs> so yeah, it was really I helpful. Did, and yeah, I had a few light bulb moments as well. <laughs> Oh, that's about that another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll share your website and everything at the end here, but why don't we get into your, your little items, your three favorite items that sure. are, that you have in your unruffled toolbox that help you stay calm, not agitated, or kind of help you with your creativity or sobriety. What you got? Yeah. So for, I know it's like, I've so, I made a list of like seven, but you um, can do what you want. No, I, 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 um, this will be our three hour show if you want. So so I would say that, um, in terms of, uh, getting support and sort of, um, feeling grounded in the sobriety world and, and just like the spirituality world, I listen to podcasts, um, that, that really help me stay true to like what's going on. Um, and you know, for the first one I would say would be the home podcast. I mean, mm-hmm. that's kind of my grounding point. Um, 
And then also the Rob cast that we've talked about already. Yeah. I found those two to be like my go-tos for support and just knowing that I'm not alone um, and people having a sense of humor about what's going on in life and society and all of it. So those are good ones. Podcasts are are my, uh, I just love them. Um, And I have many more, but um, the second thing that I have found to be really helpful, like, to kind of hold me accountable for my daily writing practice is um, I've started studying the tarot cards Hmm. and I have pretty much been doing that since I quit. So since about January, which ones do you like? Well, gosh, I love, um, I just recently bought the, the classic writer weight cards. Mm hmm. Um, and I really have been enjoying those. Uh, my first deck was the Wild Unknown. Oh, my God. So that's the deck I have. I've had them for about yeah. two years now. Oh, so oh. Aren't they? And, yeah. And and then the Line Strider Tarot is, is, is the third deck that I use all the time. Um, so those three. And I've recently started learning, like, trying to study the cards for, you know, intuitive readings on them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I do journaling around it and that's been really, it's been like a very solid ritual for me. Mm-hmm. Although, me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, isn't it the best? Yeah, it is. It's the best. I read some, somebody, um, I'm, I may have, it may have been an Instagram meme. I have no idea, but somebody said it was, it's like a, you know, Google for your intuition. And it is true that it is like that. That's exactly how I look at it. And I, it's how I start my morning now yeah. every morning, like after I have coffee and make my bed and, yeah, um, and, and it's so hard. people have, I, it's so funny. I just, I did the first time ever. I did like some readings for other people. Just kind of funny. I haven't done that yet. Yeah, it, it was, I was just like this, you know, just so you guys know, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but what I did was I just asked them to talk the whole time. Mm-hmm. And so it was really interesting they were like, oh, because one of my, it was a guy who's like, just so you know, I'm really skeptical about tarot. I'm like, okay, cool, <laughs> you know. And so he turned over the cards and I was like, well, what do you see? And he started talking and he's like, and then he flipped one another one over and he was like, oh, I don't identify with this card at all. And I was like, well, just tell me what you see. And he started talking and, and then he was like, oh, I see what's going on here. I'm like, uh-huh. <laughs> That's interesting. Oh, that is he interesting. So, he was like resisting so hard and I wasn't saying anything. It wasn't like I was saying, like, oh, you drew the death card. You know what that means. Right. I was just like, what do you see? You know, what could that mean? Mm. Uh, like I had, I did no talking. It was so That's a cool funny. way to it was, do it. Yeah. It was so powerful too. I was like, oh, wow. Like, interesting. It's true. These cards have a lot of meaning to them mm-hmm. based on just anybody's personal interpretation so yeah uh, I love the tarot me too um and then my last one I guess I'll say is just and it sounds like I'm sure so many people say this but um yoga mm-hmm. I mean it is so has been so it is such a huge fat metaphor for life yeah um, just this idea of Staying. So when a pose is really hard, staying. When you, it hurts, you stay and you do it a little longer mm-hmm. and you you find ways of staying mm-hmm. in the pose and not leaving. Um, and it's just so powerful, the, you know, this idea that 
we have to stay with our emotions. We have to stay with who we are always. Um, otherwise, we're just running away. Um, mm-hmm. And so every time I'm in a yoga class, I'm fa- it's so it's so humbling, right? Too. Yeah. It's just like life. Like you think you're really good at something, and then the very next day you do the same thing, and you can't do it. You know, you struggle with it. It's just like with life, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of le- well, there's a reason a lot of people say that because there's a lot of lessons and a lot of value. I'm not a huge yoga person, and I've been doing a lot more lately. And in that class that we were in on Sunday, um, they had a stare into our partner's eyes, Sandra. But your partner couldn't be mm-hmm. somebody that you knew; had to be somebody mm-hmm. else. And it mm-hmm. felt like for an eternity. Um, oh yeah. But I think it was like about ten minutes. So I don't even know. Um, I don't know. It was a long time. And it was really hard to stay Mm -hmm. and stare at someone Mm -hmm. you don't know. I kept wanting to close my eyes. I did some long blinks, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but to be seen, that was what was going on there. The metaphor there, right. And to stay put and to not look away and to not check out and to really stay with yourself. That was really hard. And you're right. Every pose could be that way, but that was, that was powerful. Well, and that was like intense. It was like doubly intense because with, with my yoga practice, I'm not, it, it's just really, it's just me, right? It's just me dealing with staying with myself. And, mm-hmm. But that we had to stay with ourselves and with somebody else. Mm-hmm. It was like this double, mm-hmm. doubly hard thing. Um, it felt like service, oh. like what, what we, what we do in, in the 12 steps, you know, you're, you were being of service to someone too. And when you're of service to someone, you help yourself and you help them. And that's what that moment kind of felt like to me that you were, that you were, it wasn't just for yourself that you were doing it. Oh. And so that made me want to be accountable and to follow through and to try to finish yeah. and to not check out. So that was powerful too. Yeah, it was really powerful. I just kept kind of like sending messages Mm-hmm. my per- my partner mm-hmm. and you know because we had already had that discussion beforehand so we kind of knew you yeah. know where the other person was at and it was really you know it and and I've done eye gazing before um not not in such a constructed way mm-hmm. and it's it's very challenging yeah I wonder if I would have been the only one who would have would have been thinking like, I wonder how my pores are right now. I hope I don't fart. I mean, I would have been that. Oh, no. I would have been the only one. I doubt. Not. I doubt it. I doubt it, girl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna lock eyeballs with you when I come to Austin. We're gonna do it. You can do whatever you want to do. Oh, it's so hard. It's so. Hard. It's like the hardest thing to do. And it then was at the hard. same time, like I've been told by in the past, like when I do keep long eye contact with somebody that I'm trying to brainwash them. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. It's, right. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm totally, I have that much power. That's right. You do. <laughs> don't you tell that person and don't you forget it. Don't you forget yeah, how powerful it, I am. It clearly didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much, Ashley, for coming on the oh, show and God. chatting about all this. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. This is great. Can it you, t- Oh, sorry. Can you tell people your website and, and if you have any classes or offerings that you have going on, if you want to promote anything, please feel free. So my website is ashleynichols.co and you just have to make sure to spell Nichols like the coin Okay. and I see big ELS.co like the, like Colorado. Um, 
And you can sign up for my uh, newsletter on my website, which is kind of where um, I announce the majority of, of my classes. And I have a, a class coming up here in the Bay Area on November 4th um, in El Cerrito, a machine quilting class. And then that's also where I'll post any new Creative Bug offerings. Um, but on my website, you can find the link to all of my Creative Bug classes. And um, and then I spend the most of my time over on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You can find me at Alphabet Ashley. Great. So I hope to see everybody over there. Um, yeah. And that's that's pretty much where I'm at at the moment. Those okay. two places. Um, your newsletter is beautiful, by the way. So me and Sandra are both working. Sandra just did her first newsletter last week, and I'm working on collecting email addresses so that I can do one. And it is just yours was so beautiful, and I love, I love your writing, and I also oh, loved so all the images there. too. I mean, it just looks really gorgeous to see your work in color like that, and it really I think will pull people in to click through and go check out you know what else you're doing. So it looks beautiful. Thank you. That's a lot of work, I know. <laughs> Yes, and it you know to your to your guys's work too. Like, um, it it takes it took a while to to get to that point. You know, like yeah. it's it's not as people are like, oh, you just write a newsletter. It's like, well, it's a little bit. No, it took me all that. day to write one newsletter. So yeah, there'll be a learning curve, but I'm not afraid of the learning curve now. I'm like, the first one's gonna be like the first one is, and you're right. Probably by the thirteenth one, I'll be like, oh, this is how you. I didn't know how to move that right. graphic or whatever, but I'm game well, for I, the challenge. <laughs> I I I honed in on my branding with Brand Crush, so just another plug for that. Like, I didn't have a cohesive brand un until that moment. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, I'm learning as well. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Ashley. Thank you. Ashley. It was fun chatting with you. And I, um, I look forward, to, I will be taking a class with you one day in the future, whether that's on creative bug or in person, I know that I will. So thank you. I look forward to it. And Sandra, it was so nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. All right. Have a beautiful day. Yeah. Beautiful. Have a good day guys. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by NMMD. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designer Chris Aguirre. Thanks for listening.